0: Welcome to the Vaco County Pulse. This podcast is developed by the Virginia Association of Counties and shares with our listeners the pulse of Virginia County governments. I'm Jeremy Bennett, Vaco Director of Intergovernmental Affairs and your host for this episode on Virginia's Veterans. Our show today is sponsored by Vacorp, the premier group self-insurance pool providing comprehensive coverage and risk management services to Virginia public entities for over a quarter of a century. Vacorp, we've got you covered. My guests today are dedicated public servants committed to ensuring that Virginia's veterans receive the support and recognition they deserve in our communities. I'm pleased to be joined by Carlos Hopkins, Secretary of Veterans and Defense Affairs and a member of the Governor's Cabinet, as well as Ruby Brabo, At-Large County Supervisor for King George County, Southern Region Director of the National Association of Counties, and a member of the VACO Board of Directors. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Thank you. Um, before we jump into our conversation, I just want to give a little bit of context on uh, why veterans' issues are important for uh, the state of Virginia and our counties. According to a June 2018 report from the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs, National Center for Veterans Analysis and Statistics, Virginia's veteran population exceeded uh, 725,000 individuals distributed across every locality in the Commonwealth. This constitutes approximately 3.6% of the total veteran population in the United States, and ranks virginia as the eighth state with the most veterans residing within it the u.s department of veteran affairs expended more than 5.9 billion dollars in fy 2017 on compensation and pension benefits education and vocational rehabilitation employment and medical care for veterans within our state um, clearly this is an issue that impacts a lot of people there's there's money involved it's something that is in if important to the state and counties so Uh, For veterans, the skills, leadership, and experience that they carry often benefit the institutions and communities in which they work and reside. Making sure that they have access to the benefits and services owed to them is important to ensure the quality of life for veterans, their families, and their communities. Secretary Hopkins, I'll start with you. In what ways does Virginia and her communities benefit from our population of over 725,000 veterans?
1: Well, thank you for the question, and, and thank you for inviting me here today. But let me start by saying not only does Virginia have a large population of veterans at more than 720,000. But we have the, no, the largest population of women veterans of any state in the nation at over 104,000, largest percentage of any state's population of female veterans. Uh, when you look at the connection or, or the, the tie between the military and our citizenship, uh, it's, it's not unreasonable to say that Virginia really has about 2 million military-connected persons in a population of approximately 8 million. That's massive. Uh, when you talk about veterans, active duty, guard, reserve, military-connected school children, we're the number one state in the nation with 73,000 military-connected school children. So, there is a significant population, <laughs> to, put, to put it mildly, of uh, military and veteran connections here in the Commonwealth. But to answer your question in, in, in terms of what they bring to the communities uh, you're talking about a, from a workforce perspective uh, individuals who are reliable who are team oriented who are mission focused and they bring those skills to them to the workplace uh, but in addition to that when they when military members relocate to Virginia they become a part of the communities in which they live so they become scout masters uh, they become teachers uh, they become rescue volunteers they, they they participate, they integrate into every aspect of the community. They become church lay leaders. So uh, they, be, they become an incredible, incredibly important part of the communities in which they live.
0: It seems that tradition of service doesn't just end with your your military career. It just continues on to every oh, facet absolutely, of your life. Absolutely. And touching upon that, Supervisor Brabo, if you don't mind, uh, King George County has a veterans population of approximately 3,000 individuals. Um, in what ways does the veterans community continue to provide services at the local level?
2: So the Dogger Naval Base, which is located in my county, actually employs a large number of veterans who then continue to serve the warfighter in America by extension. Um, but aside from their employment at the Dogger Naval Base, um, they contribute in the community by volunteering their time as coaches for the Little League, uh, the Parks and Rec, different athletic programs, even uh, serving as appointees to some of our boards and commissions in order to bring us that insight as we develop and grow in our community to make sure we understand the missions that are actually taking place at Dahlgren so that we have that compatibility that is necessary and um, it provides us a good means of communication uh, through the military base.
0: Excellent. Thank you so much for sharing that perspective. Uh, Mr. Secretary, I'll jump back to you. As you know, uh, Secretary of Veterans and Defense Affairs distinguishes and elevates issues and opportunities for veterans and transitioning service members in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Now, this includes a focus on employment, health care, and the educational needs of our veterans. What initiatives, programs, or issues would you like to highlight from your office to our membership? And I will also just say uh, congratulations on the recent (laughs) news about uh, Smithfield. I don't know if you want to incorporate that into your answer.
1: Absolutely. Um, Smithfield's a great corporation, a great Virginia corporation. They've been a great partner to our veterans over many years. So this morning, uh, we had the op- the opportunity to invite uh, Smithfield's president and CEO, Ken Sullivan, uh, and he and the governor uh, to the Patrick Henry Building this morning. And Smithfield made a donation of one hundred and fifty thousand dollars to our veterans homeless fund. Okay. And. and As many of your listeners may know, back in 2015, Virginia became the first state in the nation to functionally end veterans' homelessness. And we're able to do that because of the contributions from companies like Smithfield and others, who allow us to present the resources necessary uh, to make sure that veterans' homelessness remains rare, brief, and non-occurring. And so we were very pleased this morning to welcome representatives of Smithfield to have the governor receive the donation uh, and to put that money to use for Virginia's veterans.
0: Oh, that's fantastic news. Thank you for, for sharing that. And um, when we, I believe when we met earlier this year in April, we talked about a lot of the um, services that you provide in communities through some of the uh, DVS office locations. Sure. I believe there's 30 or so more that that. Do you can't mind right. expanding a little bit on the work they
1: do? Absolutely, so uh, across the Commonwealth, literally from Onancock to Big Stone Gap, Danville to Northern Virginia, we now have 34 offices, benefits offices, within the Department of Veterans Services. Uh, in addition to the, those offices, uh, we operate uh, currently two care centers, long-term care centers, with two more that are scheduled to open in 2021, oh,
0: wow.
1: uh, in addition to three state-run veteran cemeteries. Uh, so all of those services are provided through the Department of Veteran Services. Some of what they do, because we could spend the next several hours. Right. I wish about I had you on, on for
0: several hours today. Uh, so but. I'll,
1: I'll try to hit a few of the highlights. But uh, when we talk about those 34 offices, a, lo- a large part of what they do is help veterans in our communities uh, to file their claims for benefits with the Federal Veterans Administration. Uh, that's a, a duty that falls often on the states to connect their state veterans to the federal resources. Uh, so that's a very large part of that. Our Veterans Homeless Initiative. Um, they're run through our offices as well, okay. through our, what we call VBFS or our Virginia Veterans Family Support Group. Uh, and and that's, a, that's a group that helps not only with the homelessness of, of some of our veterans, but also with traumatic brain injury and making appropriate referrals, um, with post PTSD, post-traumatic stress uh, disorder, um, with any sort of wraparound services, utility bills, rentals, uh, anything that our veterans need um, to improve their own quality of life. VVFS steps in to help those veterans um, with those resources. And we also also operate the Virginia War Memorial right Mm -hmm. here in Richmond. Uh, That's also a a service provided by the Department of Veterans Services where we tell the story uh, of Virginia's war heroes. Uh, And I encourage everyone, come out and visit our war memorial. It's currently going through an expansion that uh, we look forward to seeing completed later this year. Uh, but the War Memorial is just another great service. And in addition to that, for those military members who are looking to relocate to Virginia, those who are leaving the service, uh, we operate transition assistance, a transition assistance program uh, to share with those military members the great opportunities that, that exist here in the Commonwealth for them and their families.
0: That's fantastic. Thank you so much for giving us a, a brief overview of some of the work that you guys are doing at the state level. I know, as you said, that uh, we could spend a lot more time getting, getting into the details of that. Um, now, Supervisor Bravo, you know, we just heard about the state perspective. If you don't mind, in what ways does um, your county, King George County, work with DVS and your veteran population to ensure that they have access to the services they need and are engaged within the community?
2: um so this is actually a conversation that uh delegate bob thomas and i had with uh secretary hopkins is uh how how do we address the rural counties and how do we ensure that they receive their services and uh so from out of that meeting one of the ideas we discussed was the possibility of someone from, for example, in my region, the office is located in Fredericksburg, um, but you have five counties down the northern neck um, that are rural that need to be served, is, is there a way for the counties to collaborate and uh, provide office space so that the representative from Fredericksburg maybe could come to the county once a month, um, have a set day on the calendar um, so that the veterans in the community wouldn't necessarily have to get to Fredericksburg and they would know that there would be someone, um, they could come to the county building and get their needs met
0: that's fantastic so even though we do have really great coverage already with the 34 offices across the state you know we don't have one necessarily in every county so that's having right. having a county reach out maybe to DVS to to express an interest in Having a mobile office hour might be something to consider if they want to expand the services available to their veteran population
2: sure, because a lot of that comes down to unfortunately in rural areas you don't have public transportation, and if you're a disabled veteran, it might be a little more difficult to get all the way to Fredericksburg versus just trying to get someone to drive you to the county administration building right.
0: that's a very good point
1: no and that's a that's a great point and and we had a great meeting uh, just a few months ago following a meeting at the White House yes. on veteran services as well Uh, and, and in fact one of the things that came out of that meeting is we're trying to step up the number of town halls we do around the Commonwealth to reach some of those communities where there may not be an office or there may not be another opportunity for veterans uh, to hear about the resources we have. Uh, in fact, I'll be headed down to Delegate Tyler's District tonight for one of those town halls and was just in Delegate Brewer's District earlier this week. So oh, we're trying to make sure that uh, we reach the rural communities uh, as well as those areas in Hampton Roads, Central Virginia, Northern Virginia. Um, and if, and if, if I have a moment, I'd like to touch on Southwest Virginia oh, in, in particular. Um, You know, when I became Secretary, one of the first things I did was make sure that I visited all of our offices. And we have approximately nine offices in our Southwest Virginia region. And one of the uh, recurring themes that I heard was that we do not have the resources here in Southwest Virginia that we have in other parts of the Commonwealth to serve our veterans. Um, As a result of that, I spoke with Delegate Todd Pillion and Senator Emmett Hanger and said, here's an idea that I have, that why don't we form a coalition to leverage the opportunities in this region and see if we can't provide some of those services. And so that's how the Southwest Virginia Veterans Coalition began. And so we've had several meetings to discuss what are the resources we can bring to the table. And so we just had a meeting last week in which we brought the directors, the medical directors from the Beckley uh, Veterans Medical Center out of West Virginia, Mm Uh, the James McQuillan Veterans Center we call Mountain Home down in Tennessee the director came up from there Uh, as well as uh, the director from the Salem VA uh, to talk about what resources that they they can bring to the table to support our veterans uh, and how we can work together with the local community the state uh, and our federal partners to provide those resources in rural Virginia so we started in southwest Virginia we're trying to schedule now a townhome on the Eastern Shore as well, and we will certainly be moving to the to the Northern Neck as well. Uh, so those are some of the ways in which we're trying to reach out to the, the rural communities here in Virginia. That's fantastic. certainly sounds like you're keeping busy these days. A lot of travel. <laughs> <Indeed>. <laughs> um,
0: and Mr. Secretary, I, I just want to touch upon some of the other, other duties your office provides or, or um, duties that you, you cover that your office um, provides to communities. And the secretary also leads the governor's initiatives focused on the relationship building with and support of our military and defense installations and communities surrounding them. And Virginia has hosted more than two dozen military installations, uh, again, keeping with our theme of being a very military and um, veterans-heavy state. And what does the uh, governor's uh, Governor's Virginia Military Advisory Council and your office do to engage with these installations and the communities hosting them to ensure good relationships between the two and the members of the communities living within them?
1: Sure. So the, v, the VAMC, the, the VMAC, we, we refer to it as, is an important, I, I call it an important tool for the administration that we get to hear directly from the commanders of the various military installations and missions around the Commonwealth. Uh, Dahlgren's represented there as well, Norfolk Naval Station, uh, the Military District of Washington is represented. In fact, Major General Omar Jones, the new commander there, attended our last meeting. Um, as well as Fort Belvoir and every other major installation and command. And we share with them how, or various best practices, how the state can help them, what is it that they need uh, for their missions to be successful. Uh, And and I would just say, as as an example of a partnership that's that's come out of that, this past week we were able to open a benefits office at Fort Belvoir. Uh, We we saw the need in the Northern Virginia area, particularly uh, in the Fort Belvoir area, and partnering with that installation, Uh, working through the various DOD components, working through the state, working with the locality, we were able to open that office last week to serve the veterans community there around Fort Belvoir. So coming out of VMAC, we take those ideas and and we see how the state can partner with those installations and with those local communities. Um, I would share another story that at this last VMAC, which was at Fort Belvoir, uh, Supervisor Stork from Fairfax Mm -hmm. County, I had a chance to to speak with him and his chief of staff, and they're looking to create a veteran's service liaison, a veteran's liaison, to work with the county and Fort Belvoir to build even closer relationships. And so partnerships like that happen because we have the VMAC. Uh, And so we look forward to continuing that dialogue going forward. The next meeting is November. These are open meetings to the public. Anyone is welcome to attend. Uh, But we really get to hear from the commanders uh, sort of what's going on in their installation, Obviously, everything's unclassified, (laughs) Um, and how we as the state can support their efforts as well.
0: Excellent. Thank you. Thank you for that. And and Supervisor, I know you you touched upon the work that you do with with Dahlgren, but do you mind expanding a little bit upon the relationship between a board of supervisors and a military installation? Um, What are some of the best practices that you find working with the base commander or the liaison uh, to ensure that there is um, seamless communication and uh, good work being done between the installation and the uh, the county
2: uh, sure i think actually one of the best things we have going for us is uh been coordinated and put in place by the Dahlgren Naval Base. It's the Community Military Relations Council. And uh, because the South Potomac actually encompasses more than just Dahlgren, it's also Indian Head as well, located across the river in Maryland. Um, We rotate the quarterly council meetings from Indian Head to Waldorf to King George County and to Colonial Beach so that all the counties that are actually impacted by the missions at Indian Head and Dahlgren, uh, we come together uh, with the different captains of the different tenant commands, um, and then all the leaders and elected officials of the community. We have breakfast. They give us presentations on what is happening there on the base. We give presentations about what is happening in the community, and then we have the opportunity to ask each other questions. So I really think this has been one of the greatest assets as far as ensuring there is a good pathway for uh, creating relationships and having good communication.
0: That's fantastic. A fantastic example. And I certainly hope that other counties or uh, localities in the Commonwealth are are doing the same or might, if they're not, might consider looking into that. Um, uh, Supervisor Brava, I'll I'll keep with you. And um, as a Southern Region representative of of NACO, the National Association of Counties, you recently attended their annual conference and participated in a workshop on partnerships with military installations, highlighting the message of uh, yes, if not No, because. Do you mind taking some time to share about this experience at the conference and some of the takeaways you gathered there?
2: So, um, I will, and if I, a point of correction, it um, wasn't at the conference. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) No, it's okay. But it was a workshop that was held at AP Hill, actually, um, here recently um, in Caroline County, um, and it was actually put on uh, by Mike Coleman Coleman, out of uh, your office, secretary. (laughs) Um, And it is about creating intergovernmental service contracts uh, between the military installation and counties. Um, Really, it's a great idea. It's a win-win. It allows a military installation to save money in their budget, um, but can provide a revenue stream for a county. Um, It's about... uh, you know, collaboration to, um, you know, do more bulk purchasing together. Um, You know, when I look at, like, the Dahlgren Naval Base has its own wastewater treatment plant and its own water treatment plant, but we also have them. Why can't we collaborate together since we all need the same chemicals anyway, you know, and maybe get a better pricing on uh, purchasing those things? Looking
0: for economies of scale. Absolutely.
2: And uh, so we were really happy to be able to start that conversation. But out of the workshop, um, you know, because you had different agencies representing represented there. We also got to thinking about VDOT, and VDOT complains about how difficult it is to do the mowings in the summer, and we were like, well, why can't they just pay us and our own general properties could mow our own county? It would save them money, save them manpower, and they could focus more on the paving, which is really should be the priority as far as the road projects and things of that nature. So I think there's a good conversation going forward, and I'm very hopeful that uh, this will continue
0: some really innovative work and ideas. Um, Thank you for sharing that. And uh, Secretary Hopkins, uh, in addition to your duties as Secretary, you currently serve, and correct me if any of your biographies (laughs) is what I'm about to say is accurate or not. I don't want to make a mistake. But you currently serve as a staff judge advocate for the 29th Infantry Division at Fort Belvoir and have uh, 27 29 in December. (laughs) 29 years of service in the Reserve and Guard Forces of the United States, including a deployment to Guantanamo Bay. Um, Yes. So uh, during that period of time, have attitudes towards um, and services for veterans changed? I'm sure they have, but do you mind expanding um, on how they've changed over this period of time and and maybe just just going with that?
1: Sure, sure. Uh, well, when I joined, uh, it was obviously post-Vietnam, and we were seeing that sort of transition of attitudes about military service generally start to change, particularly around the time of the first Gulf War. Um, and I think what I've seen in the last 29 years is there's more support, more public support, uh, from the business community especially. When we talk about programs like ESGR, Employer Support for the Guard and Reserves, um, when we look at some of the federal laws that have been around, like usara um, the Employment Reemployment Rights Acts um, and those legal protections for members of the military. Um, I, I, you, you see much more public support uh, for the members of the armed services. And I think there's more of a recognition of the sacrifices that these members are making. Um, and I think there was a strong and, like to say, a public decision that, you know, after Vietnam, we heard a lot of the horror stories veterans shared about reintegrating uh, back into society. I think there was a conscious effort not to repeat that following the Gulf War. And I think in the last 20 years, you've seen that continue. So those, I would say those are the biggest changes, that there's more public acceptance of military service than what we may have seen, say, prior to the first Gulf War.
0: Excellent, thank you for that, for sharing that perspective. And this question is for both of you. And I'm surprised, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll start with you. Um, and, and I promise, wind we'll on a, a higher note. <laughs> but uh, what are some of the challenges? I mean, we talked about all these great services that are available. What are some of the challenges facing the veterans community today, even even as attitudes have changed over time? And how can uh, county and state government um, help, if you don't mind, just touching on sure. that? Sure.
2: So, at the National Association of Counties, a topic of conversation for the past year has been um when a veteran is arrested um the loss of access to the care while they're in jail while they're incarcerated and yet they haven't been convicted yet um we feel this is very unfortunate um you know basically you've uh, already m- made them guilty without a trial um you know no one should uh, lose their benefits and the reason this is important is because of continuity of care ensuring that uh you know we all understand continuity of care. I don't think I need to elaborate on that. Right. But, uh, you know, so that, that, that is a huge issue that we have uh, been discussing and advocating with the Sheriff's Association to see addressed um, going forward. Um, but, you know, just in the rural counties, um, the f- suicide rate for farmers has increased Okay, and when you also compare that with the veteran suicide rate, 22 veterans a day, um, I can't help but ask the question, how many of our farmers are actually veterans? And is there a correlation there with the fact that currently they don't really have access to veteran services in rural counties? And could there potentially be a solution there if we can continue to work together to address that need that is there?
0: So looking for those opportunities for partnerships with the state and federal government and just raising awareness at the county government level, especially in our rural areas, would mm-hmm. perhaps go, go a bit of a way to helping folks who might, might need these additional services.
2: Yes, exactly.
0: Thank you.
1: No, I, I think that's an excellent point. And I was going to note that perhaps the greatest concern that we see in the veterans community or one of uh, is suicide. And, and how do we, prov- how do we decrease uh, suicide amongst our veterans, and and the supervisor is absolutely right. There, there's so much overlap. Um, whether you're talking about veterans, farmers who may be veterans, school personnel who may be veterans, police officers, law enforcement, public safety members who may also be veterans, um, you need that because of that. You need that holistic approach, and you know, on a positive side of that story, is that Virginia is one of only seven states to become a part of the Governor's Challenge to prevent suicide. And this is a program sponsored by... Do
0: you mind elaborating a little bit? Yeah,
1: absolutely. That would be great. So the Governor's Challenge is a program sponsored by the Veterans Administration, uh, as well as the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, SAMHSA. And it, it arose out of the Mayor's Challenge, sponsored by the same organizations. But part of the purpose is for these seven states to come up with what would be the best practices to recommend what resources uh, are necessary to, to stem uh, suicide amongst veterans. And one of, the, one of the things that's come out so far is the ask the question. You know, ask a person if they've had thoughts of suicide. So you can then start to talk about how to address that concern. You know, We talk about the three C's, care, community, communicate as part of our efforts to address suicide amongst veterans but this is a collaborative effort between our federal partners our state and local partners uh... to make sure that we're reaching out into all those communities and it's been an effort that's been going on for approximately a year now and we're moving towards greater implementation of some of those ideas that have come out but i I think that's one way we're going to be able to engage closer with the counties and cities uh... on how to address the the issue of suicide amongst not just veterans but virginians in general
2: Yeah, and if I can just add to that, so President Trump has his new initiative, um, you know, the President's Roadmap to End Veteran Suicide, um, which I am... feel very honored and fortunate that I have been, uh, by executive order, tasked uh, to be a member to represent local government on that workforce. Um, We've had our meetings every Friday at 11 a.m. for a few months now, Um, and and truly what we're hoping is that the roadmap that we create, um, while our focus is veterans, that it truly will be a roadmap for suicide in general. And uh, so we still have a lot of work to do, um, but I've enjoyed serving on there, and I've learned a lot And uh, hopefully, like I said, we can provide a real solution that can be used across the country.
0: Definitely. Thank you so much both for sharing that. Um, We're we're definitely, I think, uh, when we do it, we post this on our website. We've we've posted resources before, but uh, we might include some links as well to some of the services available. And I know that um, uh, DVS has a great veterans uh, resource guide, which has locations of all the regional offices and some of the services provided. But I think that uh, wraps up about our time here today. I just want to thank you both so much for being a part of the County, uh, County Falls. And uh, thank you so much for your service uh, to Virginia and to our counties. Thank
1: Thank you you for having us.